All of us have taken a test in school at some point in time, except for perhaps some of the little ones here. And it might have been last week that you had a test, last year, last decade, several decades ago. Uh, and I'm sure as time has gone on, for some of us, it's been a while since our last test. It's been, you know, three years since my last one. But, um, you know, for the most part, a lot of them just kind of fade to the background, except for those ones that we bombed. And I remember just my second to last year in seminary, my studies for becoming a priest, um, I absolutely bombed one of my scripture tests. And I kind of remember going into it. I actually felt very confident going into it. And I felt really good actually about my answers. But when I got you know, the grade back, I was just absolutely shocked. I couldn't believe it. And uh, guess what I did you know, with that information, with, with my, my test grade? It's obviously the teacher's fault, you know? It's obviously the way the questions are written. There's no way it was has to do anything with my preparations. And so I blamed uh, my teacher, the test itself, uh, without blaming myself for the horrible grade. In the first reading, we see a test. Abraham is tested. And what is he tested? He's tested on whether or not he will be faithful to God. Will he be obedient to God? Is he willing to sacrifice his son Isaac uh, for love of God? Does he love God more than his own son? And what are the results of the test? He actually passes. He passes the test. He's willing to do it even though God stains his hand. Uh, But I think the question that's more on our heart is, why this test? Why does God test Abraham? And sometimes I think there's a temptation um, for us to kind of think, you know, that God somehow is this kind of scientist. Anytime he tests someone in the Bible or in our own lives, he must be the scientist who is just, you know, kind of experimenting with us to kind of see how we will react, how we will respond, just as, as a scientist tests rat. And this, this kind of explanation of why he would give this test is, is problematic because uh, we know God to be all-powerful, all-loving, and all-knowing. And so he doesn't need to test us to know what we'll do. He actually knows our own hearts, and he knows the future, so he doesn't need to test us to figure that out. So again, why does he test Abraham? And the answer is, it's not God, but Abraham, who has to learn who Abraham is and who God is. It's not God, but Abraham, who has to learn who Abraham is and also who God is. What did Abraham learn about himself from this test? Actually, this test was fantastic because it helped him realize, actually, I have some virtue. I am faithful. I do love God. I love him so much that I'd be willing to sacrifice my son. I've been put to the test, and I have passed. The reality of the matter is, we're not going to be tested like Abraham. We're not going to be asked to put um, you know, forth our son or our daughter uh, and often, nothing of very, very great importance um, before the Lord. Um, but, you know, um, nonetheless, we find ourselves tested often, you know, right, with temptation. We're constantly running into tests and temptation. And do we like temptation? No, right? That's what the answer, I think most people would say. Do you like temptation? Most of you would answer no. But I would say that's wrong. We don't actually mind testing. What we actually mind is being tested and failing. If I had aced that scripture exam, 
I wouldn't have mind the test at all. I'm sure the Kansas City Chiefs uh, didn't mind the test of the Super Bowl because it proved them to be the champions of the, of the NFL. I'm sure you wouldn't mind a performance review that you uh, did extraordinarily well and got actually a pay bump because of that. You would not mind that test at all. What we really do not like is being tested and failing. And that's why I think sometimes Lent can be such a challenge for us because uh, we kind of take on more. We find ourselves being tested and tempted a bit more with those promises and fastings that we take on in the special season. And what we don't like is the failure that sometimes comes with that. And, but we shouldn't be afraid because all failure is is just kind of bumping into an uncomfortable truth that perhaps I'm not as virtuous as, virtuous as I thought, perhaps I'm not as smart as I thought, uh, perhaps, you know, my life isn't as ordered as it should be. Perhaps I place myself above others, above God. Um, failure could be a great opportunity, actually, for us because um, the rally matter is we're going to run, run into failure. That's just part of us in our fallen state. We're going to run into failure. The more important thing is what do we do with that failure? And there's kind of two approaches. First, you could be like me when I got my horrible grade. You could blame others, right? It was the teacher's fault. It was the wording of the questions. Uh, it was my parents' fault. It was my upbringing. It was the environment in which I was raised. It was um, my hereditary. It's my genes. It's God's fault. The second way is in all humility, we just come to the truth that, you know what? Lord, I'm weak, and I need you. I need your help. I can't do this alone. I, I, I struggle, and without you, I can't do all that you ask of me, all that happens in my day-to-day -day life. I need you. And Jesus can work with the latter. Jesus can work with us humbly coming to the fact that, you know what, maybe I don't have everything together. Maybe I'm not as virtuous as I thought I was. And the opportunity for that at every Mass is at the very beginning, and we just finished it this morning, with a confidior. That is an opportunity for us just to be Say, Lord, I'm sorry. You know what? I, I, I came into tests and I failed and I'm sorry. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. And the Lord can work with that. Because the thing that Abraham also learned, more than that he was virtuous in that situation, was that God, uh, God is the one who wants to provide a sacrifice. He doesn't want human sacrifice. He is the one that will provide the sacrifice. And he foreshadows that in the ram that was caught in the thicket. And that is a foreshadowing that one day our Lord would give his son as the paschal lamb to make the sacrifice to pay the debt of our sin in order that we might have life and have life eternal. And that's also why we're here today. Not only to say, you know what, Lord, I am sorry. That's how we begin. That's how we open ourselves to the grace and the sacrifice that the Lord wants to pour upon us today. Every day, the Lord, and we hear about the transfiguration today, um, he wants to transform this bread and wine into his body and blood, just as he wants to transform all of us into saints. And the first step is just admitting, I can't do it alone. I'm going to share an interesting thing that, helps, that, keep, that, that keeps that in mind for myself. Today, I'm actually using my own chalice. I never use it because I'm overprotective of it. It's very nice. I'm afraid of it getting dented, and I have to learn about that. But on the bottom of it, 
It says, it's, it's a line from Corinthians which says, My grace is sufficient, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And it's always a reminder to myself that even though I might fail, even though I am weak, even though I have my shortcomings, it is actually through these that God is going to work to bring his people closer to himself. And a reminder that, you know what, sometimes I fail and it's okay as long as I'm able to admit it, say I'm sorry, and ask the Lord for his help. And so today we come together um, just asking for the Lord's help. And if we have a God who loves us like that, who can stand against us?